Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Gentlemen, 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 this is Sean from What Does It Matter? Now, I have not listened to your Sleepers episode yet, but I have feelings about it. And I've got feelings about the fact that you three had to endure this film. Now, this is one of my favorite films. Uh, I've told Drew this several times, and I do believe I told Drew when he told me, well, I'm, that I guessed, I, I just guessed out of the blue what movie he was uh, about to watch, and uh, I told him he would feel like shit afterwards. And I feel for all three of you, because like I said, I have not listened to the episode yet, but I know that you, you begin these episodes with these wonderful, just jovial skits based on scenes from the movie, and unless you're singing Walk Like a Man or talking about the 16th Chapel, I, I can't think of anything. And maybe King Benny. Um, I honestly, oh, God, I feel for all three of you. I really do. Now, to the Patreon supporter who chose this movie, yes, you chose a perfect film with some of the greatest, uh, not some of the greatest acting, but, like, the casting is great. It's one of those movies that's so damn close to the book that the first time I saw it, it was a horror movie. I was so scared of how well they were doing this book and what I was going to see or just at least witness. Uh, gentlemen, I love you so dearly. I'm so sorry you had to endure this, yet I am still excitedly looking forward to listening to your episode on Sleepers. Um, my heart goes with you. And, um, yeah... Really, I mean, I don't know how it is for you boys growing up, but where I, when I grew up, where I grew up, there were rules, and if we didn't follow them, there were consequences. So just turn around and face the wall. I love you, gentlemen. Good night. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Real Feels Podcast, where every two weeks we bring you a different movie genre of a different kind with a new movie to be paired with it. But tonight, fortnightly, fortnightly, get dressed fortnightly. We have oh, <laughs> oh, shots we, are fired. We Intro have, isn't even over. Oh, my gosh. We have this, you know, this lovely movie that has been chosen for us by our uh, Patreon Mario. Have you guys have you guys, uh, you know, prepared yourself for this, uh, you know, family friendly lifetime original film where it's so heartwarming. You just want to cuddle it all up and uh, feel good about yourselves after it's all over. Uh, so this movie came out in 19. 96 i was four, 14 years old and uh a friend of mine uh and i had gone to our local family friendly cinemas and we had the intention we had bought tickets for a completely different movie and in line uh at the snack you know, concessions were a couple of gals from our middle school class and they were going to see sleepers and they're like, oh, well, you guys should just screw off on yours and sneak into ours. <laughs> and we did. And I was like, oh, like, maybe like we'll hold some hands or 
put a arm around the girl. No, <laughs> you were no, making we just, out during no, Schindler's no, List. Like, no, I didn't even want to touch myself. <laughs> let alone, let alone demonstrate any sort of interest or affection, uh, affection towards another human being during what was a very uncomfortable movie for a 14-year-old to watch. This is not uh, a date And I film. was like, okay, so 25 years later, why do I... Sleepers, why do I remember this? <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the child rape. Well... This, <laughs> this movie, movie is... Oh, guys, 1996's Sleepers. You read The Count of Monte Cristo lately? I read a little bit of it every night. I read words like revenge, sweet lasting revenge. I don't want you getting in any trouble. Come on, Father, you know I never do. That's all I wish for you and your friends. That's it? That's it, nothing else, I swear. Four friends. Raised in a legacy of crime. Everybody says this place comes for jobs. Who is everybody? You think running for King Benny's a good idea? Huh? Pays. A lot of things, Pay. Not like this. But when a childhood prank resulted in an accident. The court hereby sentences you to no less than one year at the Wilkinson Home for Boys. The punishment. You gotta have rules and you gotta have discipline. Was far more than they deserved. A lot of power to have over a boy, isn't it? I don't want anybody to know. So might as well not even talk about it. The truth stays with us. Years later, they bound together. He went in there and he asked for the case. Now you tell me, what the hell kind of friend is that? In a pact to avenge those who destroyed their innocence. You still sleep with the light on? What are you saying, Mike? It's payback time. It's our time. I don't think you know the meaning of rules. Rules! You understand? We need somebody to take the stand. So you figured if you had a priest, it would be perfect. Not just any priest. This is a murder case. I am afraid that I'll make a mistake. And you'll go down for the dirt nap. No one knows if I did this information. And I mean nobody. How did you get it? It fell into my lap. Priest wouldn't lie, all right? Has anyone ever questioned your word before today? No, but there's a first time for everything. Based on the controversial bestseller. I think of words to describe this, and then I stop because I don't want to say words <laughs> that like, like this movie is deep and intense. But like saying that, I'm like, ah, oh, that is just not it. This this movie is rough around the edges uh if i didn't like mario we'd be i'd be crapping on this movie a lot <laughs> I, I just, I for, just in, in mario like I, i've seen uh the feedback that you've given us uh, it sounds like you're you're a big fan and a mensch and we're a fan of you you, you you gotta call the tooch line or send us a, an email or something 100 i need to know why like if in the scheme of like top 10 movie even top 20 top 100 top 1000 <laughs> movies how does sleepers Get into that any way, shape, and or form. how are you able to do multiple rewatches of this? I watch Out Cold very often, <laughs> way, way too often, way more than the average human being should. I'll be honest with you there on that, Mario. But this movie, I stomached one and a half views. I same, I, same here. I I, I would rather watch Knock Knock like. <laughs> Like five times in a row, <laughs> followed by Black Swan, 
and then more knock knock than watch sleepers any more than I have this past weekend. Uh, th- this movie, okay, I mean, aside from having quite the cast, right? I mean, we have Robert De Niro. Oh, have, the, the cast, the is, cast is amazing. The movie itself is well done. John Williams, John fucking Williams scored the movie. Right. But it's the subject material. It's just, it it's, it's too, it's heavy, man. It's Ooh. very, very heavy. And it's not even like it's, it's not even as if like the disturbing material that comes with the story itself is everything that's in there. Now it does circumference like our main plot line, but man, even if it is like a total of like barely what, maybe, maybe five minutes out of the entire film, like it, but it stays with you the entire time. Like it, the storyline is good. We're introduced to these characters. The writing. I love the writing in this film so, so much. Dustin Hoffman's lawyer character okay. is 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 great. He's great. Like his sort of his like everyone thinks he's bumbling and he gives off that air, but like he gets right on point right. real fast. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of funny how like I mean he he's desperately trying to tell King Benny like I I I'm I'm not I'm not good for this. I mean you just you just don't want to you you don't want to have me here. I mean I I'm I'm I've been drinking and there's a there's there's possible uh, drug addiction. So uh, you do you don't want me here. <laughs> and King Benny does not he doesn't want to take it. He doesn't want to take a no for an answer. There's a lot of parts of this movie that feel unconnected or disjointed. And yeah, I go with that more of everything down to them stealing the hot dog cart and the joke of it like, ooh, we'll have it kind of tearing over the edge edge. And so then he'll he'll have to like grab it. But they didn't realize that it would be so heavy. A lot of parts feel weak. Well, and and apologies for the gallows humor here, but like, is this like a cosmic karma repay that they've stolen the sausage and therefore they get repaid with sausage for their punishment? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Gallus humor. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to watch this movie. This is this is what we're gonna have to deal with. And Mario, if you're gonna throw this sort of curveball at us, throw it with a wink. How you did not name a segment with a play on words with six degrees of seven bacon, six inches of Kevin Bacon. For that, I can never forgive you, my friend. <laughs> it's, I agree with Nathan that like certain parts of the plot don't necessarily make sense to me because the boys have been working for King Benny, right? They've been working for King Benny. Well, the one, well, the one kid, well, the, well, the, yeah, shakes, shakes, right? shakes has been working for King Benny without a doubt. And I even like sent you guys, like he said, you know, in 1966, he's he's getting like $25 a week, which is over $200, which is, I mean, crazy, crazy to think like how much money this kid is getting. And, you know, his friends are also getting paid as well. So like, what is the whole thing about robbing a hot dog cart? I mean, like it has to just be for shits and giggles yeah, at this but point. That's sort of like the the stand by me sort of like it's it's. It is what it is. But my issue with the movie is it starts out with like, you know, the boys in the summer, they're going to, you know, knock over the hot dog cart. Ooh, it it does have this. And then where we go in the middle, it gets real dark real soon. Right. No, 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 it does. you, You have almost this like, you have this lively bit of introduction into the, into the world that they live in, where they're coming from, how, what they have to deal with. And 
we, we see who they are as people. We really do. And we can tell that they're going to be growing. They're going to be doing this. And it almost evolves into this weird gray atmosphere that just looms over the entirety of the rest of the film from the point that they get shipped off. Now, is it purposeful? Probably very much so. Does it apply a good aesthetic to the film as a whole where it makes it almost favorable to watch? I don't think so. So this movie reminds me of, uh, I'm a big fan of of Star Trek and its many forms. In fact, I'm sitting here wearing a, a a, a t-shirt that says ladies ladies man with quark on it it's a beautiful shirt by the uh, and there's you know there's the mirror universe where it's the mirror of our own reality but it's like evil and bad and it's usually and darker tweet. yeah yes yeah, much darker like i feel like this is the like this movie was smuggled into our dimension this is like the <laughs> mirror universe version of sleepers where this movie it could have gone in a completely different direction as far as what happened once they got to the reform school. Uh, and it could have turned out to be really watchable and really well done. I mean, for Christ's sakes, the the compelling characters, the, the cast, but God damn, it's just, it's, it, it's that one, like everyone's got that one ingredient that if they find it in a sandwich, it makes that sandwich uh, inedible to them. This is that ingredient. This is like finding... Uh, just a a bunch of olives stuffed into a sandwich that had had no point in having olives in it for me. Uh, I just I can't I, I can't stomach it. Also, had a good blueprint that it deviates a little bit from in a very sad way. So this movie kind of models itself after, as they describe the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, you know, oh, did you like the book? Yeah, like, you know, he gets his revenge and, you know, all these kind of hints at, like, they're going to get their revenge. They're, they are these little, like, Count of Monte Cristos. They even, like, called himself like that when they were in the little choir. So I wanted yeah. to see more Count of Monte Cristo type ending. And, Intrigue yes, and, like, and revenge. Not just, like, and this, like, they, so they, they set up. Like, if Edmund Dante's got fucked in the ass. <laughs> repeatedly for years what sort of hatch exactly. plan would he hatch so so if they if they had seen kevin bacon's character like out in the real world if they had seen noakes and if they like toyed with him and like secretly became like friends Almost like uh and then that, like uh, let him astray South korean movie yeah uh, i saw the devil yes like if they had if like instead of just gunning them down as soon as they find him or as soon as they encounter yeah, him, I agree wholeheartedly. And toy with him. Right. And he the Count of Cristo, that is his like his nemesis is, you know, best friend or whatever, you know, is the last one to really get his comeuppance. And I think that Noakes should have been there at the end, and that's when maybe all three of them like do him in, or you know, Put them away. Do something that really solidifies it. Not just two of them go, that are already like thug, criminal, horrible, scum of the earth people. Just shoot them in a restaurant and, hey, get us off the, you know, get us out of jail. I don't know. The resolution of that, of the four of them back together to be best friends forever, doesn't happen. And it, it just doesn't feel... No, it's it doesn't short because two of them die. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's talk about the cast a little bit. The cast is is pretty standout. Mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon playing the sinister, just 
insidious, disgusting Sean Snokes, a very young Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, playing the older version of Michael Sullivan. Robert De Niro as the uh, the priest. Uh, Jason Patrick, mm-hmm. uh, a gorgeous gorgeous mini driver uh brad renfro who i was like holy shit uh and then i realized he died of like a heroin overdose in like 2008 yeah uh but my wife was like oh my god i used to have such a crush on him like he was and i was like was he one of your tiger beats honey was he one of your tiger beats was he one of the jtt's uh dustin hoffman playing the the lawyer billy crudup who i love seeing billy crudup anytime he can pop along it's just a lot of of really good cast decisions very young cast right uh, right but again there's just a a pall over the entire movie i i was Not really the entire movie but at least the the second and third act oh definitely yeah i was very much uh kind of like trying to like not stop the film and like double check on my phone or anything, but I wanted to watch it. But like seeing the young kids faces, I kept seeing them and trying to figure out like, where have I seen them before? Where have I actually seen these actors? And Jonathan Tucker, who plays young Tommy, I was like, oh, dude, it's the guy from the Texas Chainsaw remake. And it's one of the leads in The Ruins, which I very much enjoy. And I I. I don't know. It, it kind of took me by surprise to see him as such a young actor in this film. Jeffrey Wugder. Which one? Uh, Jonathan Tucker. He played young Tommy. This is the first movie I can remember seeing John Slattery mm-hmm. with anything but gray hair. Because <laughs> uh, he's that's always, has as I've known him, uh, Dash Mihawk. He played uh, Bunchy in uh, Ray Donovan. And I think he was also one of the main characters in HBO's Oz. Wendell Pierce plays one of the, the headline characters from The Wire. Uh, I mean, the the cast just keeps on going on and on. Yeah. Um, Wait, did you already, you already mention Terry Kinney? Uh, I did not. Okay, so when, I, when Terry Kinney first came on this movie, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, one of my favorite characters in Billions um, he plays this like kind of underground know-it-all can do anything in- informant like whenever Axel is like well like wh- how do we how do we get to them and he's like oh I've been ta- you know I've had a guy tailing him for you know the past two weeks I know all of it he just is this really awesome character and so when he's in it I'm like oh yay Terry's in it Oh, he's a bad guy. Oh shit. Well, oh, he's oh, he's horrible. Oh, he's oh, he's fucking horrible. <laughs> he's a bad he's a bad bad guy. I absolutely love the actor who plays King Benny, Vittorio Gossman. I every scene that he does, you are just like encapsulated by him. You believe that he is like the king of Hell's Kitchen. You believe that he is very very true when he looks at Dustin Hoffman and he tells him like well, if you lose, you take the dirt nap and you're going to do this. You're not going to be drunk. You're not going to you're not going to, you know, do any more drugs. This is what you're going to do. And I, I it, it, he's so suave with everything that he says. He doesn't have to raise his voice. He doesn't, you know, get angry. He doesn't really get, you know, happy. He almost stays like a Ben Stein kind of monotone with his with his voice. But it it's so good. I just love his little role. Even him just like tossing breadcrumbs and whatnot to the pigeons. Yeah, Barry Levinson directed. He did things like Tootsie. Uh, I love Tootsie. Good Morning Vietnam, yep. Rain Man, Bugsy, Toys, a very underrated Whoa, uh, film Williams, yeah. in my my opinion. Um, 
but again, this is very different. And again, John Williams did the score. Yeah. But it was a very, I don't know. There wasn't much compelling about the score, even though it is John Williams. It's, I think it, I think the intro music is real nice. It, it almost tries to um, like ease you into maybe what is to come and give you some type of latitude to think that like, oh, it's it's still bad, but it's not going to be as bad. Ah, oh, crap. This is what we're watching. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, it it does come into play. I agree with Jack's sentiment earlier with Minnie Driver in the film, a beautiful Minnie Driver. I think she's incredibly gorgeous in this film. Dustin Hoffman, I don't get his long hair, but he does look like he's washed up and out of the gutter. It's so different from him in Outbreak the he year before. He should have been like playing a groundhog <laughs> in like uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox. Like the way his hair was and, and his, his speaking, like it... It was it was something else. Um, I mean, but the book is the the, the movie's based off a book oh, you guys of the read same this book? name called Sleepers by no uh, hell no by uh, Lorenzo uh, Carcaterra. They state in the film that you know no records of this case have ever been found, and that's basically the research that I found is has stated that it it seems like it's a work of fiction. He he claims that every single thing is true. He just changed the names to protect the innocent. And he claims it is a true story. But much like in the book, there's the warning from the New York State of Corrections, as well as at the end of the film, you have, again, this little like no district attorney records. Right. Like there's no no nothing to really back it. up. Right. Not even to say that, like this instance is not true. Their their statement at the end of the film is to say that there is no records of any kind to say that anything like this has ever taken place. And I'm thinking maybe there uh, was purged. Maybe there was a cover up. But maybe no. I mean, even in the movie, they said that like records of people who had been to the reform institutes are destroyed after a certain period of time, which is why even Brad Pitt said like there's no record of the boys even being at Wilkerson's. So there's no real connection to them in Noakes. Yeah, that's true, too. I also think that the the guy who got killed during the football game, Rizzo, Rizzo. like that, like the the, the full on murder well, he got killed uh, after, of that. Yeah, after the game, but yeah. Yeah, well, but he was still murdered because of the game. Oh, yeah, because they they and they uh, emasculated them. They took them down a yeah. peg. Yeah, that should have maybe played a little bit more of a factor into things rather than just being a side note. Well, and uh, it, which it's like it was mentioned in the trial, but nothing really came of it. Well, I mean, it, it was mentioned in the trial, and then when. King Benny went to Rizzo's oldest, older brother, who was a well-established like drug dealer in his own right. He came there, paid off the debt that was going to go for one of the guards. And then, you know, now that debt was owed to Rizzo's brother. And he says, this is this is worth more to you than money. He's all like, what's worth more to me than money? Nothing's worth more than the green. And he said, like, this man owes you Rizzo. This is the man who killed him. And I love as but he's... that should have been the climax, including Kevin Bacon as like a package Yeah, probably. It probably should have been later on. It probably, you're right, it probably should have been later on. But I love when he's walking away and there's like this silence as he's taking himself to the stairs and Rizzo's brother just calls out to him. He says like, they say he died of pneumonia. And then just King Benny keeps walking. They said. Yep. W- Wendell Pierce I mean, uh, played yeah. uh, his brother, which... He is really Shit. good in Jack Ryan. Uh, I love love him in Jack Ryan. Um, another real quick, I don't know if 
did you already mention John Slattery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because that's yeah. the that's was, the youngest I can recall seeing John Slattery. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, you know he was limited by the time by the uh, technology of his time. No, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the any jokes that are had in this are are kind of like um, lipstick little, like, on the pig. <laughs> yeah, it's just oh, I'm I'm glad that they're trying to to keep it kind of lighthearted. Even at the end, there's a lot of uncomfortable, like, there are cringe moments when many drivers like, what is this, like a oh, gay club? At the, at the very and end. Like, oh, how freaking insane <laughs> four guys got raped. Like, wh- why would you say that? Yeah, like, I mean, even her comment at dinner is all like, are you sure we have time? Don't you guys have to go shoot somebody? And it's like, what what is your purpose here? What are you, what yeah, are you just got, what are you, you just doing? And somebody, you but... can even see them. They're all like, uh, no, we just got acquitted. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> when Brad Pitt's character is at it, I was like, oh shit, are they doing it one more time? <laughs> are they? <laughs> well, you know, Shakes walks up and he's all like, give him two napkins, and you're like, what? oh, it's a little tongue in cheek. <laughs> But then, it, yeah, I thought they were like, hey, for old time's sake, let's get ourselves some fucking hot dogs, huh? How, what do you say? <laughs> they, like, I did... rob this Asian? Brother, I've taken all the sausage <laughs> I could ever it's, do. It's not even, like, the one mo- or the, the couple of moments of uncomfortableness where it is bringing up, like, a very disturbing topic of, you know, uh, child molestation and child rape. But you also have, like, spousal, spousal abuse going on. And I love it said, like, uh, spousal abuse, or sorry, domestic violence was a cottage industry in Hell's Kitchen, is what the line is. And, I mean, to the fact that, like, the husband storms out of the apartment and says, I've already buried one wife, I can bury another. And you're like, fuck. Really? And it's like, no one got a divorce. Like, you either died or, like, the church intervened or something. But, like, one of the biggest things is, like, you don't divorce. Like, you stay with it and until you die. And you can tell that it continues because it goes from that one scene till it goes later on a little bit more. And you can see him ripping off his belt to, like, beat his wife with it. And then even when Shakes comes back for dinner one night, he says, give me another spoon. This one's dirty. And he's like, oh, I got it. And he's like, no, no, no. She'll get it. She'll get it. If this movie was remade today, I honestly think that they would make a huge run at the Catholic church and that they would incorporate, they would incorporate father Bobby being almost like a part of it. And then hear me out that that would be part of the Monte Cristo. Like, but in this, okay. Robert in this is perfect. He, and it's, that's why it's kind of weird. The church in this movie is like the safe space. So many times in culture and stuff, the church right. is not. You know. But how fucked up is that that we we sort of perceive that's, some churches as not kind being of safe ironic space in, in this day and age. I, I feel like almost like refreshing that like it's really. maybe it's just more back then that we still like believed that the Catholic Church was really good and like but there are there's some really awesome pastors and priests that are looking out for kids and like and wanting it. Then when Shakes goes back and he's like, I heard you needed uh, somebody fill it as an altar boy. And, and, and Robert De Niro's like, take off your pants. Exactly. And, and that probably would have been your modern remake. They bring him into to court as well and kind of do like what they did to Ferguson and like, oh, like 
you're a part of this and you know yes you do <laughs> yes you do but i'm glad they didn't i'm glad that that this is that he got to be this you know he got to go contradictory to what he does by lying and going oh no here are the stubs motherfucker you know he 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 does well i liked it so mario i've got a question is uh your next year's uh movie pick going to be radio flyer oh oh (laughs) the wire the wire in the oven we've all seen it no we've all seen the pressure cooker (sighs) just gonna be select episodes of game of thrones And just all of season eight. No, I'm just kidding, Mario. All of eight. <laughs> Why would you do Damn you, Jack. Now seriously, call us call us on the Tooch line. Hey, it was Elijah Wood. We all watched that oh, the nineties not knowing man. what it was, but it's all seared into our brains. But you know now. what, Nathan? I mean, to say like that, you know, obviously the church is the safe space in this film. I mean, like Robert De Niro's character is he he is the old man in the other cell. He is the one that is helping them to get out. And more importantly, like for I mean, like it's I don't know if like still a, a modern remake would necessarily target, you know, Father Bobby as being implicated in the crimes itself. I think it still stems to the idea that like you are showing someone who is breaching his character, his livelihood yes. to lie. But he's lying for these kids and he's lying to save them because he knows what they went through and but, he knows that it's I, I I don't know that it's worth but, it. But juxtaposed with that scene of him lying as a priest is also the really touching and really deeply dramatic scene of when I think it's shakes basically lays out in front of uh, Father Bobby and Minnie Driver's character like what exactly right. went down. And most of that scene is a little bit of dialogue as far as the the exposition from shakes. And the rest of it is just the look mm-hmm. on their faces. And it's music over as it. They, right. if they, if the music over it as they, John Williams, as, uh, as they have to process just the, the sheer nightmarish horror oh, yeah. that happened to these kids that were sent to a place where they were supposed to be reformed and rehabilitated, but um, were basically tortured and raped and, and some of them murdered. Which is another reason why I really wanted to see Father Bobby kind of pair off against Noakes and have that moment where he's, you know, maybe delivers a good... You want the truth? You can't handle the <laughs> truth! Or, like, delivers, like, a good, like, Bible verse at him. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know, just like... A- Sinner. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he stands up to defend, you know, everybody else. I mean, even the... Uh- I forget which one and had like the punctured lung, but he goes up against the mom's the mom's boyfriend and says like you put him in the hospital. Well, the kid got out of line. Maybe he's learned his lesson now. Put him back in the line. I put him back in. He's like, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. You're a pretty big guy. What are you like? Two twenty, two thirty? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, what's he like? Eighty pounds soaking wet? You think that's gonna be like a fair fight? He's like, here's the thing. If you touch him again, you're gonna need a priest. Not to come and see you at the hospital, but to oversee your funeral. And I can guarantee it's going to be me. <laughs> Maybe you should try it instead of burning them. <laughs> but like, right there, I think they could have escalated his character and given a little bit more of a nod that he was going to lie for them by like, when he's confronting that boyfriend, that he like, grabs his finger and like just snips the tip with like a switchblade and he's like don't fuck with that boy like don't fuck with any of them and like you just kind of see this like whoa whoa he that could have been this, that, that could have been good when he whoa. when he walks up on him and he says like i already gave on sunday father yeah well you're gonna give some more 
You're you're yeah. gonna give some more right now. A pound of flesh. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. If Noakes uh, had not been shot, if he had survived, if maybe he had just been assaulted or something, or they got him up on another, or just charge, the one shot to the dick. And and and, <laughs> and 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 as the the epilogue, like the final before cuts to the credits, is uh, him entering the prison shower and turning the water on. And just like five or six bars of soap just get flung across the room and land and slide across around where his feet are. And then you get John Williams to play you out to him just go, no, no, no. Uh, You're all going to hell. <laughs> that would have been poetic. I, no, it would have. I mean, even just like shooting him in the crotch like they did and just leaving him like that, maybe. Uh, I never did you know them any I mean? harm. Like it was my would, right. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm here to claim the, the right of a, of a boy from Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, but I mean, even even to have that be... <laughs> I declare the rights of prima <laughs> oh, dick Jesus shot. Jesus Christ. Even that shot to be like the first shot made against Snokes, I think is, again, it's very poignant. Like that's that's the first thing that is getting done. That's the first thing that like he did to them. And I mean, even as he said, like what I'm going to ask you for the last time, like, what the fuck do you want? He's like, oh, something I've always wanted uh, to watch you die. Like, this is what <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Oh, you have, I have the dispatched at least you 10 had. correctional officers. They should be returning now with a dress like this. Actually, it's more like two. <laughs> Make it quick. Jeez. It, it's just it's just heavy to the point of like, again, it, it, it glosses over nearly everything in the entire film. Although I was very curious as to see exactly what the point was when he was making the delivery and he gets like mugged in the alley and they take him off to another alley. And then you have the random shop owner. He's all like, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? No, 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 you you run. What what's gonna happen to him? Do you- I think he was affiliated yeah. with the king because maybe was like, I think you that know was to show from? that I mean, like, maybe the king had eyes everywhere and possibly. But like I thought it was a little crazy that the the shopkeeper just killed like like oh you want to try and you want to try and steal him. well never again pop pop right <laughs> wow right so. Yeah, I guess that's why it's Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> oh, you know Hell's what Cafe. it is? Right. Okay, okay. Right. yeah. <laughs> You know what it <laughs> Castro pop? No? You know what it probably is because even in the beginning of the movie they said that if anybody does anything to anyone's young in Hell's Kitchen they're getting taken care of. Like the heroin dealer who uh his drugs killed like a 12-year-old uh son of a runner. So with this kid being kind of hassled if he's a young kid getting hassled then yeah, maybe this is a guy who's all like, "Uh, we don't need you like hassling our youth. You're going to die now." Maybe. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's it's just very uncomfortable. Yes. Source material. <laughs> um, it was not it fun was, to watch. It was heavy to watch. I, I still think it's a good story. I think you have very, very in, intriguing acting that is done by characters that don't necessarily need a great deal of lines, but also like demand their presence when they're quiet, much like King Benny or even when Kevin Bacon's character is silent 
like he still has the he has that look like when he's watching when he's watching Ugh. shakes undress like you don't need words for that as an as uncomfortable yeah, as yeah, it is yeah. but you get like who he is or even the like calm demeanor as they're walking these kids down the hallway to like the rape locker room or storage facility and he's just nonchalant and he's all like you know what i told him i'm not gonna work overtime if you're not gonna pay me this much yeah but did you put in of course i put in but blah 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 and i'm like is this just like is this the like the casual banter that you have before you or, go no, rape like uh, 12 and under? They, they, I would have liked more of the the uh, corrections officer that saved the kids yes. from having to oh, eat the don't lunch you off want the more floor. Of him? Like, yes. Uh, I feel like that this movie needed like 10 more times. He should have been he a witness. Should, they should have called his ass he to should the have been a I mean, That would have oh, been I, I love his part. I love his part. It's like, uh, you're get out of here. Get out of here. It's my shift now. Don't fuck with me, boy. No, Noakes. Fuck with me. I'm asking you. So is 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 Mario Noakes here? And it's like it's like did you did you watch Sleepers? And we're like, nah. Smelled it. Though. <laughs> we, I like, can smell yeah, it. Well, there, there's 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 some that over there. Get can't have your lunch. Can't have your sleepers with that good piece of bread. Can you? What if he was like so like if say they don't kill Noakes right in the beginning and you can, they kind of save it for the end and. They kill him, they shoot him, and it's like this black guy just kind of walks by, and, he, and it's him, and he goes, I didn't see nothing. No. And, and kind of tips his cap. <laughs> Emilio Estevez, I kid you oh not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, <damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely for the time and the place, it. It is very much a case of where I, I think it's very poignant that someone in like the 60s, obviously of color, who is without a doubt, like in a position of power over several, not only, you know, black youths, but a majority of white youths in this facility. Like he is standing up for those who are being picked on, those that are being infringed. And he stands up to another white authority in the in the in the place itself who tries to challenge him and he just like st he stood his ground and i love he's just like no come at me and you're eating into my shift you should really leave and kevin bacon knows that if he tries it like he would probably get his teeth knocked in and when they do find noakes uh you know eating at the bar or the restaurant or whatever uh i feel like at that point years later like he's fully gone it's like a he's like a mutant <laughs> that that had discovered his powers in the past, but now he's fully actualized him. Like he's when they discover him at the at the restaurant, he's like Magneto. He's got the outfit and the the helmet because he's got like the string greasy, greasy hair. Hair. He's just like he looks like a a freaking creeper. Uh, where uh, when they met him earlier on, he you know Eric Lenshear had just discovered that he could manipulate metal, uh, and he was still clean shaven and and had a and a, had a haircut. But later on, it's like they. They encountered their nemesis there, the Vines? white whale. Vines? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first class, good movie. Kevin Bacon does his part and he does it well. What a brave yeah. role. Well, for he Bacon. said he said Ooh, in an interview wee. that oh, he enjoys wee. doing dark roles because it's almost like cathartic for him in a way because he's able to get out that like that darkness, those angst, those demons where he can just put it all into a role like that. Where I mean, you have a movie like this, Sleepers, and then you also have him in another movie where he does play a pedophile again in The Woodsman. Except this is him playing a pedophile who's trying to like redeem himself and he, uh, and not have anybody else hurt kids in his neighborhood. 
I don't think I ever watched The Woods. You should. Is that what it's about? Is right. He, so, only, well, only Drew Wood. Only Kevin Drew Bacon Wood. plays <laughs> a. Kevin Bacon, <laughs> Kevin Bacon plays a convicted pedophile who is like rehoused and, you know, he has to go to meetings and he's trying to and he's, you know, trying to just basically live his life from this point on. And he almost like takes it to this point where he's trying to do his job to do what he can to better himself and to obviously not give into his temptations or anything like that. But he's noticing someone else from the group is still going for it. And he's like picking up kids near the school that he's homed homed close to. And Kevin Bacon, like, takes the justice into his own hands against this guy. And I don't know. It's he plays these dark characters sometimes. And I think hollow man, hollow man, Jesus, hollow man. Right. I I think he can he can do it. He, He said he's not afraid to play anything. And. I think that it can work for him sometimes. I I think Sleepers is a case in point where you believe all of the darkness inside of Noakes and you know it is it is true for him. I mean, even when he knows he's going to die and he's like smiling and nodding to himself and he has to say like. Uh, You were scared, little pricks. Both of you. All of you. (laughs) Scary shitless, but I. I tried to make you tough. I tried to make you hard. Oh, I had you all wrong then, though. All this time I thought you just liked fucking and beating up little boys. You two motherfuckers are going to burn in hell. Like, he wants that one last moment to tear them down and to put them beneath yeah. him before literally they bury him. Segments? Segments! <laughs> it's like, what more? What, what more is there to say? Oh, Lord. Okay. Sleeper segments. Mario gave us his segments. He also gave the titles for these segments. So segment number one is called A Prank Too Far. What is a prank or joke that went too far that could have landed you in juvie or had dire consequences? Mine is not necessarily... I couldn't really think of much that, like, was going to land me in that hot water that I haven't already kind of talked like touched on in, in our podcast um but we we did um used to do the icy hot uh bus <laughs> walk slaps where you are walking down the hall of the bus or you know the the what is this okay so as you get on the bus and you're going okay. towards the end of you know the back of the bus you, is this like a bus to school yes yes you okay you put you apply icy hot to your hand and you slap people on the way to <laughs> to, what? to your seat. What? And then they're just like, what the hell? Oh. Oh. What? Oh, it's burning. Oh. Well, what, what? One time I did. It wasn't me that, that uh, got Kyle's face. But somebody got this kid named Kyle and it got him in the eye. Oh, no. And like... He was having this allergic reaction, and we all kind of were like, fuck, fuck, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. It's the bus driver's, like, calling it into this, you know, the school. Did he look like the albino orc from Lord of the Rings? Or like, <laughs> the age of middle schoolers. The age, age of Nathan is over. <laughs> the age of Icy Hot is here. <laughs> but yeah, like, the the... Like, we just got barely, you know, got in, and they were already, like, 
they already had like an ambulance there to like paramedics to look at him and we almost uh had some some major drama but um they they didn't they couldn't pin it on who it was and we mm-hmm. all kind of were able to keep our mouth shut so we all just had um one of those like uh like trash cleanup kind of days like where it was like a you know three hours on a saturday and a cool suspension but it was just kind of like somebody did something bad and no one wants to talk so you're all gonna clean the the quad right okay, cool but yeah it could have could have gone that kid could have uh, really had something crazy happen to him but uh luckily he's okay uh, i think both of his eyes are okay and and uh carried on <laughs> No, I'll know if it didn't. Hmm. If uh, a couple of years later, uh, you know, I'm on trial for for something, and he's like, "Oh," or I'm I'm at dinner and just eating, and he's like, <laughs> "You remember he's walk me?" Up his one pink eye. <laughs> he's got I'm a like, patch on. Mm, no. Yes. <laughs> no shit. Noakes doesn't recognize them. Thirty years or whatever. Like what? what or. Okay. No, it's not. It's not thirty years. 10, it's like 15, t- it's like, like a decade. He's nothing like what they were. So, ten like ten to fifteen so yeah, years. Like, yeah. How is he supposed to be like? Oh yeah. Of course they do. I raped you and I raped you. How are you guys doing? Like you guys got families now? Like oh what? <laughs> do you remember me? Like oh god. Anyways, all right. <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, I thought we were special. We you know what? Of, it's probably not surprising. There, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to say goodbye. Been. We all did. Uh, so my my segment, my answer uh, is at uh, the local Meyer. Uh, we found when I was uh, sixteen. I think I mentioned this in the past. Paintball blowguns, and uh, they were long tubes, and then they had a uh, uh, a clear plastic sort of magazine that you could load a string of paintballs into and then the paintball blowgun had a, a valve switch so you could build up air pressure and then start hitting the switch and just do like the, a quick like thump, 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 and blow the paintballs out so imagine you were just a regular nathan imagine you're, you're going home it's been a long day at work and you're at the <laughs> uh at, at the crowded intersection intersection during rush hour and unbeknownst to you, the car next to you, the uh, passenger and uh, rear passenger windows slide down a little bit. Why? You just bitch. see the muzzle of these paintball blowguns just emerge oh, no. an inch or, inch or two outside outside of the windows, and then you just get the your entire driver's side of the car painted with paintballs, uh, like this. Could have ended in an accident and a vehicular fatality. Uh, maybe I don't know, a lot of things could have gone very wrong with the the whole situation of just hey, let's drive up next to somebody at an intersection or while the car is moving and just start blasting the side of their car with, with low guns like that. I just imagine like Revolutionary <laughs> War style warfare of like and like just one shot like. Load! No, no. Oh, there should have been a guy behind the shooters just with one of the drums, like, dun. Or uh, what was it? A uh, uh, drum and the flute from, um, oh, Christ, the other Hell's Kitchen movie, Five Points. Um, 
uh, with the butcher gangs of New York, gangs of New York, where it's just the drum and the flute. Like that, that is played in the background as we're just hosing down some poor, unfortunate, (laughs) low paid individuals car with paintballs. Oh gosh. As for pranks and whatnot, Usually this uh, took place where I didn't realize it was going to be a prank, but I was nevertheless like a uh, uh, part of it. And I've told some of these stories before. It involves my friend Paul where, you know, he lit off a firework uh, on the front step of the fire marshal who lived on his street, whom he had a beef with. Uh, when we kind of like broke into the schoolyard that was down the street from his house and we got chased by cops out of it. Uh, the other one is we were just having fun, hanging out lighting off some fireworks, and we accidentally set a field on fire. And uh, <laughs> de- definitely, definitely uh, with Paul. And uh, I I think it was uh, his doing. <laughs> just just things to take into consideration. Just like a Dago walk Just through. like a Dago <laughs> What are you willing, willing to, to do, do says Paul? Oh, my gosh. So, segment two, The Age of Innocence. At the end of the movie, it shows all the characters as children in a dance contest, which they win, and it shows how innocent they look. And uh, before that, before that event that sent them off to Wilkerson, Wilkerson Home for Boys, what is a time in your life that you would like to capture before your innocence of childhood was taken away? Don't you forget about me? <laughs> this up (laughs) uh you know what i'll take this up i would say the times in which if we if we like sold enough magazine sales when i was in like middle school we got to go to like camelot park and so we could all hang out play video games go on the bumper cars or even like the bumper boats that i have been on a bumper boat was this like the the Ponzi scheme thing where it's like, all right, kids, and whoever, if you can sell 100 of these, you know, tubs of cookie dough. No, no, no. Get- it was like it was like a legitimate like magazine sale. But like if we sold so much and we got so many subscribers, essentially, like you could go with a group that could go off to Camelot Park. And so for that, like it was just a fun thing, like just to go with your friends and hang out and, you know, it was it was pure bliss. Like you had like maybe three chaperones that came with you, but really they just like let you go inside and just off you went. Like no one's truly watching you. You had a wristband and and like they gave you like a baggie of tokens, and you just went off and had fun. And so you and your friends were standing there just going Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. <laughs> it's only a business. <laughs> when knights of the round table dance whenever able <laughs> I like to push the pramola let's not go to Camelot it's his silly place so yes to Camelot uh, there was there was a, a couple of family Christmases when I was young where the entire family packed into my grandparents house their tri-level and it still I think it's just the most idyllic memory i have of there were people on every level uh playing mario 3 and and discovering the uh the flute cheat oh yes uh upstairs in my grandparents room because we weren't allowed to have the uh the uh, nintendo hooked up uh downstairs or the next night having a movie night and watching uh many movies that i watched over there like the highlander and stuff like that being probably very 
too young to watch such things. Uh, just the food and the family and the fire in the fireplace. And my grandma had like three goddamn Christmas trees uh, decorated fully throughout the house. Uh, one of those uh, putting together like the, the, the castle, Lego castle yeah. from like the late 80s where it's like, oh my God, holy shit. Uh, one of those occasions, uh, I, w- I would gladly immerse myself in for uh, for for quite a while. A, in an innocent time for me, um, I think back to it was called I called it the Battle for the Rock. So in in the backyard of my parents' house, there was a uh, a pretty large river rock that they had um, that just kind of like jetted up, and we used to like climb all over it and jump off of it and it was just a really cool part of the backyard there wasn't much to i feel like our backyard besides kind of a a cool little slope um that i would like race down but that rock was just really large and one time i had a war between my legos my gi joes and my micro machines and, like, the three clans just all had this huge battle for the, like, to win the, to be on top of the rock and to win the rock. And it was just, like, I think back to that, I'm like, what the hell, what the hell am I doing? Like, go, don't you have a job to go to or something? Don't you have some type of responsibilities? Nope. I just would spend hours in the backyard playing Battle for the Rock and G.I. Joe's would die. I would I would sneak uh, some matches outside and I'd light a couple things on fire. Uh, I'd get the hose. I'd make like a cool pond. I mean. Bro, hear him? Look to the G.I. Joe's coming on the fifth day. <laughs> Take these two micro machines. May they serve you better than the former owners. <laughs> I'd cut off your head, Lego, if it stood but oh, <laughs> a couple centimeters <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> all right segment number three the parent trap there is a scene in the movie that gives me the feels every time when shakes dad played by bruno kirby is upset that his son is going to juvie and gives the line he shouldn't have to do time i've done enough time for everyone it is so emotional and always reminds me how far a parent would go for their child what is a time that either your mom or your dad did something that showed that they would always have your back. Real quick, I think Mario does kind of hit that well because before I even looked at the segments and I watched this movie, that really stuck. I mean, that line hits hard where because this dad, this you know, just this obviously takes out his frustrations on things and on the people that he loves and he's breaking stuff and shakes his leg. It's like, stop dad, like stop breaking stuff. And he's just so broken that his kid has to go do time and he can't do anything about it. And Oh yeah. That line hits hard. So, I mean, even when he has to ask, you know, father Bobby, like, go look after my parents because they look like they're about to kill each other. And no matter I like what you hear or like, I tell you, like, tell him I'm fine. He's like, you want me to lie? He's all like, it's a good, for lie. a good cause father. 
and you and you know and you like you see the shadowy i know and you see the dad's face as he like like his worry is not about himself the kid is going away and he says like please look after my parents so yeah it's it's some powerful things where you can see like a man be broken despite the fact that when we're introduced to him you're like "Eh, we really shouldn't like him jack start it out uh, you know, my mom never really stopped having my back. It wasn't one occasion. It's just, it's just, it, it's like compounding interest. It just keeps on going and keeps on going. Uh, and moving out here, you know, th- she's still in Ohio. It's especially when I was just getting started out in California, it's not cheap to fly, you know, halfway across the country sometimes. And the price gets doubled or tripled sometimes during the holiday season. So you couldn't always be there for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. Uh, But there would be times where I would go back uh, in, you know, mid-October. And before I would leave, she would cook like like a small turkey and she would do basically a small Thanksgiving dinner for me and have the same family over that would be there for Thanksgiving. Uh, she would she would do that or i remember many times being uh very very homesick that uh, for for some reason or another either work or didn't have the vacation time or just couldn't afford it uh you know many years ago not being able to come home for christmas and then getting a box with a tin of her homemade christmas cookies in it uh she always had that thoughtfulness that, you know, I never doubted that she, she didn't have my back. And she continues to to prove that uh, to this day when, you know, my, my grandfather passed back in December and uh, her and my sister went down to the house and they were able to get me like my grandfather's beer glasses. Uh, you know, the beer glasses that I watched him have a beer out of when he got off of work. And then I one day was able to to enjoy a beer from she packed those up and she sent those out to me. She she like told me and and my sister like had my sister make a distraction with my aunt and uncle who were out in the, the house at that point, you know, cleaning up and setting things aside uh, as a distraction as my mom squirreled away these beer glasses uh, mm-hmm. So she could send them out to me. Um, so I never, it's not one, one small occasion. It's always been just, you know, action over time, which I think is where a lot of the best sort of feelings of relationship comfort come from. It's, it's, it's always action over time. There, there usually isn't, unless it's a movie, just one, one occasion that you can point to and say that was it. But I may be wrong. Alien mom. Oh, sure. I am your alien mother. I don't want this right now. Eat cookies. Your wishes are not of my concern because I am alien mother. I I would say I'm I'm on kind of a point with Jack. I don't think there is like one specific instance in which my parents like soul heartedly like this is the definitive moment where they have like had my back. I mean, I can count. I guess they do love me. I guess they do love me. I can count multiple like opportunities and chances in which they really did show it. Like if I didn't have school, sometimes like I would go with my dad to work out at Arvin High School and I would sit in his class and he would he would 
almost like do away with like a full day of teaching. He would get through like his morning stuff real quick. But then like he would let me give the kids like an art competition. They had they all got to draw different things. And then I would judge who had the best, you know, uh, picture and I would and they would get candy or they would get extra credit in the class. So like he would let me do that for like a whole day. And then, you know, we would drive uh, home and we would pick up like an ice cream comb or something. And I mean, like that could, that still like transcends to today, like even with the podcast, like my parents were our first patrons. And they still continue to like give to the podcast like they don't I mean, they barely they barely listen to the show yet. They still they still contribute and donate. And Mr. And Mrs. Hallam, if if I've ever upset you with <laughs> any of my myriad, myriad uh, commentary and poor use of language, I apologize. <laughs> but they st- I mean, they, they, they still <laughs> they still do. They still donate. I mean, it's kind of funny because like she won't bring anything up or she'll like probably just, you know, let it, you know, breeze on by. That Nathan, he has some very unorthodox opinions. And I, I think he could do better without Nathan, Drew. You're probably the golden boy in their eyes. out. <laughs> they're like, well, Nathan's right. got a bad headset. Use the Patreon money we sent you for Nathan's headset. Jacket shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's not one definitive moment. I think that there's countless times. I mean, I couldn't remember a time. I don't know what I did, but I did something to, like, really irritate my dad. And I I don't know if it was along the lines where I said something like, like, you don't care or you're not doing this for me or something. But, like, I was down the hall and he was down and he was down into the kitchen and he just he just, like, stared at me, turned around and he just screamed. And he point. I remember he pointed his finger, like, right at me. And he just, like, bellowed these words where he just said, like, I bend over backwards for you. And I just I just remember those words just like sticking like a bad piece of gum on a shoe. Just I mean, and they just kind of stuck with me. Ooh. I think a big moment that I realized that my parents like really do. I mean, granted, kind of like all of us were, you know, guys that had pretty awesome parents and we got good hands dealt to us in that regard. I watched a lot did of families not. that did a lot not. of my friends that yeah. did not did not and and I would just like kind of like in shock like look around like what the fuck like your your dad doesn't help you your mom do the dishes or like you know just like why do they not talk to each other like you know I don't just culture shock mm-hmm. of other families that were broken as shit and my parents when they pulled me out of eighth grade and homeschooled me that was kind of a moment where they're like you know what. We've got to intervene because Nathan is not, he's not emotionally doing well. He's getting bullied. He's, he's just having a rough go. He's not doing good in school, his classes. And it was the best thing they could have ever done because I, I flourished in that program. uh, And, and I really got a chance to kind of reset my batteries before going into uh, Mordor of, (laughs) of high school. And and that was just kind of a moment when, you know, that like, yeah, we give a shit about you, Nathan, so much that we're going to do the inconvenient thing and work our schedules around so that way you can be homeschooled and hopefully redirect your life. And right. And it worked. I love them. So you guys have heard the story about uh, uh, my friends and I in the forest shooting the BB guns. 
and we uh, we accidentally shot out some poor neighbor's sliding glass door. I think so. Because the, I had to yes. do 100 hours of community service for that one. I, I think I brought it up in past episodes, but I was the only... And I look back, then I hated it. Looking back at it now, she said I was grounded for two months, and I, I paid every hour of those two months as being grounded. Uh, whereas my friends who were just as involved and just as culpable, after a week they were outside screwing around. So I, I do value the the teaching, like as much as, you know, the cookies and, and, you know, all the other stuff, I do value that she did stick with the discipline that there are consequences to actions. And Oh, yeah. Uh, I, and and I, I see that a lot where it's like, oh, your kid's a shit. Well, stop being a dick parent. Like, thanks, mom. I learned that lesson from you. Yeah. 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 <sighs> well, despite the overall feelings, I think that we can all kind of share in various forms for this movie. I, I don't think anyone can deny uh, the movie's success with a $44 million budget and cumulatively making worldwide a success of like $166 million. So, I mean, it definitely made its money back. It was up. I mean, John Williams was up for an, an Academy Award for this soundtrack. So, I mean, despite having like a good director, OK, with a pretty good repertoire in his belt, a fantastic cast. Music is, you know, fairly good. It's still heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's plenty of movies that are heavy. I mean, hell, Shawshank Redemption has some moments where you're like, whoa, or I mean, uh. I think Shawshank's a little more flushed out. Take than this you is out of that bit. one bedroom Hilton of yours and cast you down <laughs> to sodomites. <laughs> it's, but it's it, any prison movie can really have those moments where you're like, oh, this is real. And this is the kind of shit that people have to endure and, and live with. And this on a, on a kid level, um, just oh, hits, yeah. hits hard. Yeah, and I mentioned before, it's right up there with uh, Radio Flyer, where they're just, they are well done movies, but god damn, are they just not pleasant to watch. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have uh, a Patreon? So, Drew, what would you, no. This <laughs> is the Patreon. This, this is the Patreon. <laughs> this is the Patreon. And, and honestly, uh, after Starship Poopers, uh, I didn't want to go any further. <laughs> What what would you guys rate this movie out of six inches of Kevin Bacon? I'd give it uh, I'd give it an inverted like a like an anti penis. It's like there's still balls there, but it's just sort of like a divot. It's like a groundhog. Like you'd have to press press the flesh back to get it to kind of like poke its head out. So I, I give this a a negative one out of six Ooh. inches. All right then. Um. I'm sorry, Mario. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Drew, go ahead. Uh, I have my number, but I gotta think of how to... Uh, <laughs> did, I, did I steal yours? Did no. I steal yours, Nathan? <laughs> Nailed <laughs> it for <laughs> Right from my mouth. <laughs> Just like a dangle wop. <laughs> uh, goddamn Jack, he stole I'm my I'm sure analogy. his rating was an inverted penis. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, again, I, I think that the, the story is good, at least like in the beginning. Again, like I said, I think it kind of glosses over uh, for the plot in this like kind of like gray tonish atmosphere that you're almost like like 
just trudging through. It's almost like, hey, never ending story is great. Is that the Swamp of Sorrows? All right, let's walk through it instead of flying over it. And I think you're kind of stuck with if I'm going to go with six, you know, inches of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you get your own. Um, well, you said we were going to give it out of six inches of Kevin Bacon. Neither here nor there. But yeah, go ahead. I, go ahead. You know what? I'm I'm going to cut off an inch because, you know, obviously it was shot off. It was shot off with the, with the gun. And I'm going to give this probably a very generous yeah. because I think that there's good aspects to it. And I think people can get get behind the aspects in it. Wrong, but again, wrong phrasing. It's the- wrong phrasing. Wrong phrasing. Yep. Shut up. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it about a three out of five, and that's being incredibly generous with it. I don't know if I would ever give it a rewatch anytime soon. Uh, but I am thankful for Mario for bringing a new movie that I could watch. Yeah, Mario, we we appreciate your patronage, and this is interesting because. We have no idea what our patrons will pick. <laughs> you know, with with Drew's parents, I know what they're going to pick. Uh, but with uh, <laughs> with random other patrons that we we don't know, we've never met. You know, part of me uh, before seeing some of your feedback, I thought you were maybe kind of fucking with us. <laughs> A good trolling. <laughs> Like, uh, like, all right, yeah, I get to pick a movie. Here's sleepers. Have fun with that, you fuckers. Uh, but again, call the Tooch line. Uh, we, you know, we won't play it uh, if you don't. If you give us instructions not to, I just want to hear wanna why, why you like this movie and you watch it at least on a, a semi-annual basis. I've got to know, uh, Nathan. If I was a priest. And movie movie choices were coming up to me, and I was saying, you know, uh, Patreon pick of this person. I was giving them the, the body of Christ. And Mario's sleepers <laughs> came up to me, and I'm, whoa. I would reach around, and I'd break off, and I'd only give it three out of ten parts of the body of Christ. And I'd be like, here you go. You get three out of ten. <laughs> And that's because I like you. You're here. You're doing. You're doing all the the right moves. You're you're trying. It moments that are really good. However, but you get the hand, the foot, yeah, and the it, uh, the taint. And also with you, <laughs> be on your way. Glory to God. You know. Let's okay. Push the wine, not the water. <laughs> so yeah, three out of ten. And again, like to to kind of echo what Jack said. I like. Movies that I'm not expecting, and I'm not, you know, I'm the yeah. low hanging fruit picker. So you're gonna get all the Indiana Jones and the <laughs> all the all the the glory picks. It's refreshing to get something that is not in the wheelhouse. And I don't even know what I would call these movies where I somehow like skip over them, but they'll have like Diner. Diner had like you know like twelve big actors in it, and you're like. When the hell did all these people get into a movie? And why is no one talking about this? There is a kind of like Amistad uh, Master and Commander movie with like, I think John Travolta and a bunch of like actors. And I'm like, no one's talking about this. You know, these are old movies with a bunch of big actors, but they kind of go under the radar. And I think this one, for me, definitely went under the radar. Don't you dare slander Master and Commander the far side of the world. We will have words, Nathan. We will have words. <laughs> no, it's, it, 
There is John Travolta was not in that movie. No, it's it's like it. I said Amistad is too. Woo! Well, we did it, guys. We're out of sleepers. We're we're out of sleep. We woke up. Oh, and there was and there, oh, man. And there was four little boys, and Jeez. they were in a in a reform school, and it was horrible. But we we do thank Mario for giving us this film, very much so. But coming up next for episode 88... Drew's going to clean up all the uncomfortable silences that we had in this episode. <laughs> He's going to clip a lot of, a lot of dead air over just like, looking at each other like... So at the beginning of uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where they're all waiting for the boss to make a fucking decision. And, and Steve Martin, he, like, he's got to go catch his flight. And like the boss will like smack his lip and like gesture like... <sighs> Yeah, and like turn away. <laughs> a lot of that happened tonight, but uh, that's that's just because our Patreon gave us a very a real think piece uh, here. Um, yeah, and Drew, how can they get a hold of us to become a patron to give us this kind of movie? And, and how can Mario get a hold of us? Yeah, how can Mario get a hold of us? Well, everybody else can get a hold of us by going on Twitter. And of course, searching for the Real Feels Podcast, we are at Real Feels Pod. You can send us an email at realfeelspodcast at gmail.com. You can also look for us up on Facebook and Instagram. But more importantly, Mario, we would love for you to call the Tooch line, of course, 661-376-0030. Give us a call. Leave us all those feels and tell us why, sleepers, is your absolute favorite. And as for everybody else, we'd also love you to call the Tooch Line. Leave us a nice little voicemail. Maybe give some suggestions for, I don't know, some movies we could do or say hello. How was your weekend? Maybe, I don't know, throw some throw some uh, awesome. You know what? I want to hear a good dad joke. That's what I want to hear. So I'll take it. That's how, that's how y'all can get a hold of us. But hey, Jack, episode 87. Uh, oh, shit. This is 87. No, no, this is 87. Your episode, 88. Ocean slash deep sea. I'm excited for it. You should have pigeonholed this into uh, Kill Bill, so that way, episode 88, the crazy 88. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's true. That's true. And uh, I'm not going to give away my pick, but I, uh, speaking of master and commander of the far side of the world, I almost pulled a crazy Ivan with you guys the other day and was like, fuck it. What I said before, no longer the case. Going with Master and Commander, but uh, after uh, a night's a night worth of sleep, uh, I, I, I have to go with this one movie. The feels are just they're, they're undeniable. Mm. I almost too uh, spoiled my future episode uh, for tragedy in this episode, and I went rip, and I said, "Nope, nope, don't, don't, don't say a word, Nathan." So tragedy is coming up. Uh, I believe is it after Jack or after? It'll be after Jack. Jack. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then, through. and then I'll I'll be bringing you guys a vacation genre. Oh, it'll up. be an apropos time for that. That should be uh, well, right around July, I should suspect. Yeah, it'll be it'll be in July if time works out the way it should, which uh, hopefully it will. Uh, that should come out July fourteenth. Perfect timing. Hmm. So. Guys, thank you for joining us for this uh, patron-chosen movie. Once again, Mario, you indeed are the realist, and we absolutely love and adore you. And we we thank you for, man, going through the entire back catalog of all of our episodes and catching up to everything that is current. I mean, you are a trooper, honestly. Thank you so much for that. So, 
Join us next time. And as always, you're the realist. And the feelist. He was your son, Tommy. He was your son. <laughs> you should have protected him. <laughs> you can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>